0: Tired, so tired, Over-tired.
1: Hey everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we, we don't technically have sponsors today, so we could have taken a week off and wh- okay. So Christina did take a week off. I decided to pull together a motley crew of tech writers from Oracle and do a special Thanksgiving episode with no real sponsors, but yeah. Um, anyway, I'm Brett Terpstra. I'm here with Aaron Dawson and Victor Agretta Jr. I don't I never remember if I said if I'm saying Agretta right.
0: You got it perfectly right. God damn, I'm good. <laughs> how you guys doing? Doing so good. Brett, how are you how are you doing? I it
1: I took that was natural. I have a couple we have like unlimited vacation time, so they don't technically give us holidays at all. Um, it's just days that everyone agrees they're not coming to work. And I think we all agreed we get a Friday off. So I'm on day two of a four day weekend. I'm good.
0: Oh, absolutely. Victor, how are you doing?
2: Yeah. Well, same. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this time to, uh, to have a good sit.
0: Sit. <sighs> Does that mean
2: watching TV? It, it means partly staring out the window, honestly, which is just as good as TV these days. No, no, it's not. Hold,
0: uh, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get back to the PTO thing. Uh, a few episodes ago, as a loyal listener, I, I do remember Christina saying, you know, unlimited PTO is a scam. I want to interrogate that for a second. Yeah, so- I like I like the spirit of that but I, I have some thoughts. Go ahead. Brad.
1: The only real reason that anyone has ever given me by way of explanation uh, is that uh, when you have s- like specific amount of vacation time, like you get two weeks, your first year of employment, uh, you get paid. If you don't use them, uh, you get paid after you leave the company for unused vacation days. With PTO, you don't through any like money, there it doesn't seem like a big deal to me. And the fact is, Oracle is super good about letting you use unlimited vacation. Like I've taken a couple weeks off already, and like people cover for you, and it's just accepted. And I don't
0: think it's a scam. I think it's actually a really good, a really cool thing. Agree, agree. Although. I'll take it in another direction though. I think, okay, so, so I was off for about a month for a pretty big surgery and you two were such good sports about picking up my, my slack, really. Um, and the reason I could do that is because of unlimited PTO. I probably could have gone through medical leave or some formal measure, but I didn't have to. Yeah. What this does though, is that it's, just because you take PTO doesn't mean that you're the work that you're responsible for takes PTO as well so that can get kind of complicated politically right so this week we had three working days really um which meant that for me this is true for me probably true for both of you as well I had to squeeze in five days of work into three kinda yeah right mm-hmm. and so it I could see that being spun as a scam in in a sense I feel um, like that's true of any
1: job where you have a three day week. Um, there was a week when you were gone that I took off too, and we left Victor alone to do both of our work as a new in, employee in his first month of employment.
2: Yeah. Well, I, the good news is, is that nothing ever bad happens to my workflow or tech stack. So oh, you right. knew that like everything was going to go swimmily and according to <laughs> flawless, <laughs> uh, apologies to those of you who've read my Twitter feed. Cause you know, that's a huge lie.
0: And as a new Jira user too, I'm sure you you loved that, and nothing went wrong there. Well, you know, I think it's, you're
2: new. Right? Well, no, that's the thing is that like I've used Jira somewhat, but I think I just used the board, which you know the the Kanban board is very much like a a, a Trello board, right? And I love Trello, and I've used Trello a lot in various projects that I've been in. Um, so that aspect of it's not so bad. But uh, I remember right as I was starting at Oracle, someone tweeted, I can't remember who tweeted this, but they said that it was like uh, the Jira interface is a nightmare for someone with ADHD because there's so many little buttons and things that you, I mean, it's super flexible, right? But it's the classic like F-16 problem where you've got all these buttons and dials and switches and things that you could, you know, operate, but probably 90% of those you're never going to touch.
0: Is that a Um, plane?
2: Yes. Or something? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the stealth fighter.
0: It's like a synth too, like modular synths. Like
2: yeah, you're yeah, really exactly.
0: Only modulating a, a few, a few different buttons.
2: I like that a lot. I like that uh, a lot better because I'm a, I'm an old vintage synth guy as well.
0: So nice. Oh God, I, those sweet Atlassian dollars. You're never going to get them, Brad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Even though no sponsors, but
1: I uh, I realized while we were talking that I forgot to submit a time card. Oh so- God, me too. Here's here's the weird thing for people listening. All three of us are salaried employees, technically, on paper, according to our contracts. However, due to something with the job posting that's never been explained to me, we have to submit time cards every week. We don't have to punch in or punch out and the time card is the same every week. But if we don't submit it, we don't get paid. And it's... It's frustrating and annoying and you have to be on VPN to submit a time card and
2: I hate that. Yeah, I've got to do that too. But also we we got to put in the holiday stuff like for yesterday so it's uh, if we put it in today, we'll have to change the template up so that we add the holiday of yesterday. <laughs> just so I just say that.
1: Okay. Know. So, I just I submit the same thing even on holiday weeks and sometimes they pay me a little extra and I figure <laughs> come the last period I will just t- check my like benefits record and see what my total compensation is versus what my salary is, and adjust my last time card accordingly. Yeah, fair enough. They, I mean, they told because they're the somehow my my pay fluctuates. I submit the same time, and some some weeks have like eighty hours, and some have eighty five, and I don't know what that means. That's but it, what happens when you get paid in Bitcoin, man. It can mean up to $500 difference between my paychecks. Oh like, gee. I have not figured out how to make it predictable yet. And so I brought it up with my manager and he said, um, if you're short money, just add hours. So I figured yeah, I could budget. Yeah.
0: I love that guy. I'm not going to say his name, but I really love him.
1: And for saying nice things, I think you can say his name.
0: Thank I'm- you, A.M. There you go redacted yeah, so wh- I, I was going to ask you guys um about
1: being a tech writer when you aren't a programmer for a company that's making services for programmers. How's that working out
2: so okay, yeah, yeah i i I've, I've actually been thinking about this recently, where it's like uh and, and I think this is true at a lot of places where you're scaling up, you know, because i I was amazed that like more people keep joining our team, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, we're not done putting all the players on the team basically right and i'm gonna keep using this sports metaphor sorry uh i'm not a sports guy but i for some reason these just come to me uh but i thought about the fact that like we we're still putting the team together and we we haven't even like practiced the fundamentals so to speak it's just like i i joined up and like everybody was like running drills uh but also playing a game at the same time and so um I think that there's a lot to be said for like kind of pausing what you're doing and, and going back and saying like, okay, does everybody have grasp of the fundamentals? Because there's some things that I'm just rusty on. Um, and then there's some other things like we've, we've been doing these, not, this isn't outside or inside baseball too much. I think to say that like when we put code blocks in, right, like identifying what kind of code that is, um, and, For folks who know, probably everyone who listens to this podcast, it's like, you know, those design patterns or whatever, it's like we just need a little bit of training to know what those look like. And it's like, okay, but like when do we get the that pause, right? When do we get that opportunity to do it? We just do it as we go. Um, which is a very interesting kind of thing. Like you would not do that, uh, in a lot of other contexts. Like EMTs don't do that. They train a lot and then they go out in an (laughs) ambulance and do stuff. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, like I, I've been trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who's not using terminal every day, who then has to format code samples that are terminal commands with output, sometimes with multi-lines and like trying to look at that and figure out what's what. And I I have a lot of sympathy. I, I, I don't know. That's gonna, it took me years to be able to read that stuff. I, I don't know how you're expected to just jump in and do that, which leads me to we're supposed to start doing the tutorials that we're we're writing up. And right now, I have no reason to be excited about any of our products because I have never been presented with a use case or a tutorial that makes me think, oh, dude, I didn't know I could do that. I want to try this like nothing yeah. has applied mm-hmm. to me yet. And so like, go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is a good discussion. So there's there's one part of the discussion which is like being being a non-programmer writer or being a non like developer writer. Um but I think for folks who work at cloud companies and who are writers, there's another half of that conversation which is like do you really know what the value proposition of the cloud is and and further can you be articulate about um, the the working parts of the cloud. Can you talk about virtual machines and instances and deployment, uh, this kind of thing? And and that to me is is much more um, intimidating and, and daunting as like a field of knowledge than like Go Lang is to me. Because like if you know what a for loop is, you can identify that in most languages uh, you can you can you can kind of think about the concept of closure and and see that in other languages but the whole cloud thing is is another field of knowledge entirely that i don't think either of us are super confident in which you kind of need to be to start you know going through these tutorials tutorials ourselves to test them and know what they're trying to do um is that is that resonating at all
2: yeah i mean no I, I i get that entirely i guess um in my case i've had a little bit of, i have had a little bit of exposure to this and honestly i don't know if y'all knew this but i edited Corey quinn's podcast so if y'all look up cory quinn uh he's a we mentioned he, him just a few weeks ago he are he you serious yeah. yeah well christina's been on his show a couple of times i think and it was funny because i edited her show it's like oh my god you know uh, small world, but he's a cloud economist, which he is very tongue-in-cheek kind of self-appointed name. But that's how crazy this stuff has gotten is that just figuring out, and I will say this, Amazon web service like bills can be very complicated because of the way that they do their charging uh, for services, as opposed to Oracle, which does a great job, uh, that's not a sponsorship. <laughs> um, but that's that's the thing. Like For me, it's a little bit easier because I've... I've just been soaking in some of these like terms and stuff but I will tell you that it it was a, a shocking like jarring experience to go from public radio doing like local news and stuff but I kind of had exited technology for a bit and then come back and to think about where we are now versus where we are in like 2001 when I started learning like server you know administration and that kind of thing uh it's it's crazy so it's also one of those things where there's so much out there it can be just hard to figure out what the hell is going on to begin with, you know, like where to start. Uh, well, you were saying you were learning Node.js, I think. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, just just JavaScript frameworks to begin with. Like I remember WebMonkey learning basic JavaScript, you know, for like HTML2 uh, era. And now, oh my God, <laughs> it's insane. I don't know how people keep up with it.
0: I know. Do we have any new sponsors, Brett? Um, this episode, yeah, is brought to you by Pizza Hut. Uh, when you've never heard of pizza before, (laughs) try Pizza Hut. You know what? Out of, out of the franchise pizza, we don't have to go down this path, but out of the franchise pizzas, I don't think you could do worse than a Pizza Hut. Yeah, you could do Papa John's. Yep. Ooh, shots fired.
1: I haven't, I haven't eaten a franchise pizza since. Good Lord. It's got, it must have been at least 15 years since I've actually like ordered a uh, like delivery pizza. I eat, I eat like that was the pizza weirdest frag
0: I've ever heard. I eat pizza, <laughs> I
1: eat pizza from the co op. I make my own pizza. Sure. But oh, like, I, I eat pizza gluten. from the trash. Thanks for asking. I went gluten free for a long time. So I could only order like cauliflower crust pizzas. Oh, mm-hmm. right. And then I fixed my stomach. I did a crazy, low FODMAP diet to try to figure out exactly where my IBS was
0: coming from. Was it the elimination diet? Did you start with like just tomatoes or whatever? I guess tomatoes would be a really bad example.
1: Yeah, that's the idea is like you you cut out, you go to like absolutely no sugars at all. And then like for a two-day period, you add in a specific type of sugar, like lactose or gluten or... Uh, I forget all the different ones, but I went through it. It took like, I think two months and, uh, my, my girlfriend helped me cause I could never do that kind of diet on my own. It's too much math. Um, but in the end we figured out I was sensitive to gluten and dairy, but in the process of doing all the eliminations, I like reset my digestive system and now I'm not really sensitive to anything.
0: Wow. It's a win. So it it works. <laughs> the elimination diet seems, uh, and in, in, in FODMAP in general, seems like so much. You have to suffer so much to get to a baseline that is like what what a lot of people take for granted. And I I don't know if I could do it.
1: It's not easy. I asked I get- my doctor if I should do it. And he said, it's impossible. No one can do that. But <laughs> thanks to L, I I pulled it off.
0: Brett, do you find and this is an incredible segue, I think everyone's gonna agree, and you could take it how you want it, but do you find that your diet affects your <clears throat> mental health corner? <clears throat>
1: huh you know i okay, so here's the thing about uh things that affect my mental health i am I have a horrible memory and this bizarre inability to connect cause and effect so when things happen to my mental health, say m- bipolar mood swings, I can't, I I'll, almost never can I put together what precipitated it. So asking if diet affects, because like anything you eat is going to not like affect your mood in the first 15 minutes. And after 15 minutes, I've already forgotten right. the connection. <laughs>
0: So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I, I know that gut biome is a powerful source of, of um, mental wellness, but I time and time again fail to consider that every time I make a food decision. Although, you know, for breakfast, I've been having a lot of blueberries and like Whole foods, not processed stuff for lunch, but this is uh, a decision fatigue kind of thing where at night everything um, goes out the window. All of my decision points are spent for the day and I become a real idiot about food and what I put in my body. And the holidays exacerbate that for sure, especially one like Thanksgiving, uh, which is, you know, when you're encouraged to just be as absolutely... um, gluttonous and bacchanalian as like you want um and and that and being around family that you might not love who who you might love actually but may not like um that's that's a recipe for for some not great mental health
1: yeah you're here you just keep agreed can't you just keep healthier snacks
2: around i don't snack hey i've tried that i've got a big bag of desiccated carrot chips in my fridge Are you serious? Is that a thing? Yeah. No, no, no. These are just like, uh, like where you take a carrot and you use like the crinkle cut thing to like mm-hmm. just turn it into like slices. With bananas you know? a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got, I've, <laughs> I love the, the, uh, cartoon where it shows the one banana that's all like brown and gross and everything. It's like nobody becomes banana bread because, you know, it's like the young recruits, like, oh, I'm going to be banana bread when I go bad, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, sorry. You're going to go in the trash. Oh. Yeah sad (laughs) happy Thanksgiving everyone
1: (laughs) yeah um so uh uh you guys have any personal questions for me that you never get to ask at work we keep our conversation pretty inappropriate we have a back channel on slack (laughs) I feel like you guys know me pretty well but I will answer any question good
2: yeah yeah what I was gonna say it feels like you should have a mailbag for this that like listeners are are Sending in questions that people have questions. Wanted, we have yeah, a Discord I'm, for that. Oh, yeah.
1: So, uh, w-, w we're talking about work, which you know, there are people at work who listen to the show. So, I there's like this uh, kind of line, it's fuzzy line where I won't, I won't talk about too much inside baseball or say really bad things because uh, I, I I don't want to get fired. Um, and also I like, I like my job, but when I mentioned w- that we were going to try to respect this very, very unknown line, uh, Victor, you mentioned something about 2001. W- what happened in
2: 2001? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, d- I didn't want st- to step on Aaron was going to ask you a personal question though. I think
0: I was going to be, I, I, I was being a little facetious. I've always wanted to know what your skincare routine was, Brett. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> I'm very sorry. You, ahead, you, <laughs> do,
1: do you want to know what what I think my secret to uh, not having horrible skin is? I only shower three times a week, and I don't use soap on my face.
0: Oh, you're one of those. It works. Okay, okay. <laughs> Victor, I want to hear about 2001 so badly, but I, I very quickly... Um, so... So see above, like, I, I don't know if I have food issues, but anytime someone tells me they had lunch, like, I always want to know what it is they had. Um, and anytime um, showering and hygiene and bathing comes up, I'm really curious about everyone's um, soap preferences. Oh, my God. Um,
1: Doctor, <laughs> Dr. Bronner's is what I use. Have you ever heard oh of God. it? You're so oh much Lord. more
0: crunchy than I give you oh, credit for. Oh, I am for. a
1: fucking granola hippie. It's weird. Like, I was anti hippie my whole life. Growing up punk rock, like hippies were the worst. And then I got I started dating, like, yeah, crunchies, and (laughs) I just I just
0: fell into it. But yeah, yeah. fuck that. Like, hippies rock. But like, why why have we been? I mean, I know why, but we've been, you know, sold this message of like hippies are lazy. And fuck them. They care about the planet.
1: And no, see, it was ign- never that. It's just that they're annoying. Like, I can't stand the <laughs> dead. I can't stand fish. I can't stand the culture around them. Like, that kind of hippie. It, I, I just, they annoy the hell out of me. But people who are uh, socially conscious and environmentally conscious and uh, concerned with their health, like, that's all good stuff. I have no problem with that.
0: I think, I think the sort of um, outspoken. The stereotype of being outspoken is is one of the worst stereotypes. So vegans get this a lot, um, and 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 uh, you see this on the other side too, right? Where, where like, if you're a proud boy, like you're going to tell people that you're a proud boy, right? So um, it's, it's in the name, being well, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and and pride is a sin. So I, maybe they should should read their book a little more. But but any, I, it's like not. Being annoying is agnostic like if you're really um, effusive about the thing that you believe in that is kind of annoying just let people like what they like even if it's not what you like anyways two thousand one I can't wait to hear about it
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah wow that's a that was a good segue um to lead us back
0: into that well the best in the biz.
2: I, I've I've told the story so many times. It, it actually gets summed up pretty quickly, which is that I was working for a dot com startup at the time. Classic story. Um, not living in Silicon Valley though, living here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, newlywed, and had started this job. Honestly, the the idea of the company was mine, but the the powers that be had brought in this guy who was like a Harvard MBA and JD, which he got at the same time. Um, and yet was one of the dumbest people I've ever worked for. What's J D? Uh, j- uh juris j- juris he's a, a law degree. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Jurisdiction, I don't know. <laughs> uh and uh who's the dumb one now, Vic? Huh? You know? Um and so we're working uh, we're doing this thing. It's like a spin-off of a video production company that's been around a long time that has its roots in the show Hey Dude, if anybody remembers uh that on Nickelodeon back in the day and there's a whole group of people who just got super excited um but these are tv production people we had this internet streaming thing or whatever and we hired some guy some kid at the university you remember when flash intros were cool <laughs> this is back in that era and we had this kid make this flash website for us all flash of course and It was terrible. Like the, the, if you stayed on the intro page, it would start doubling up on the playback, but it was offset. So it was like this horrible echo type effect. And then the navigation at work. So I found a a, a website that showed how to do the gel look. Remember OS 10 was also fairly new Mm -hmm. and the the gel look in Photoshop was, you know, a a cool effect. And so I was learning tutorials for it everywhere. Yes, exactly. So I found some random tutorial that I think involved the word monkey in the name. It wasn't WebMonkey, but it was just like a couple of designers that, you know, had a HTML page. And so I emailed them like, hey, guys, uh, thanks for your tutorial. This is really cool. Um, By the way, don't go to my company's website. It's terrible. I mean, that was pretty much it. Now, I named the company in the email. They published my email unbeknownst to me. (laughs) On their website, and here's the great part, is that the CEO of, like, the parent company or whatever uh, did a Yahoo search. And the Yahoo search, because our name was so unique, uh, it popped up my fucking letter as one of the top, like, solutions or answers, whatever the hell they Yahoo called things. And, uh, yeah. And so next thing you know, I'm being brought into my immediate bosses, uh, the, the JD MBA genius. Uh, And being fired. And my wife at the time was uh, like seven months or no, no, like six months pregnant, I think with our first kid. So, and we got, uh, I got fired in uh, November around this time. Yeah. Fond memories.
1: Do you remember the, we've talked about it on this show before, C and I have, but um, I, I had a client when I was doing freelance web design that didn't pay me. And their site was getting like one hit a week. So I, uh, I just redesigned the whole site and changed all the text to be about how they don't pay their bills. (laughs) Uh, like nothing slander. It's just facts. And, uh, someone saw it. Uh, I can't, I think it was actually Christina who blogged it at Mashable. Like uh, with a post titled, this is why you pay your web designer. (laughs) And all of the sudden, uh, it was getting like five hundred hits a second. It was just like crashing. Oh and man! And I'm getting frantic phone calls from the the business owners, and I'm going to sue you, and I'm going to. This is, and I was like, I'll take it down, but you haven't paid me, and I still own the domain, so yeah. <laughs> you got nothing. There's no, there's no slanderous. It's it's mm. not it's not slander if it's true. At least right. in my understanding of the law, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> anyway, so this episode is brought to you by gold bond. <laughs> Are you into aggressive masturbation? Try <laughs> gold bond, gold bond for all your aggressive masturbation needs. Um, Aaron, you just added a, a really great question to the, the quip document.
0: Uh, do you want to, do you want to broach that? I I will broach. I will broach. I, I was thinking about the let's ask each other personal questions that we'd be too uh, scared to in, in in Slack or whatever. And here's one thing that got me thinking: like, Brad, it is apparent that you you really care. You really care about small tech things, um, and it, it, and by small tech things, I mean like minor details that a lot of folks um would not give a shit about but get under your skin so profoundly when done wrong and i really respect this and i i think as writers we all um are pretty detail oriented i'm not talking about writing really um i think i could be wrong here if i had to guess i would maybe say that you a lot of you dedicate a lot of um psychic energy to thinking about maybe your your setup in your office um what you're running at any time um it, it, am i am i warm i'll keep going
1: well i mean that's all true but uh, i'm not sure
0: yeah 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 stick what, with me what okay go ahead so i love that i love that you have found a career um making, making a living. Caring about these things that you would otherwise care very deeply about and and you're getting paid for it i I know it's much more complex than this and and you do things you don't want to all of the time. I know a lot of us too um, but this this is about a larger discussion about not not just you specifically but why all of us do what we do yada yada like professional in our professional lives. Like we didn't just do Strength Finder 2.0 and become writers, right? Like I was thinking about this the other day in my life. I am a writer. Why am I a writer? Um, Am I a writer? Because there is an unconscious part of me that is insecure about being inarticulate. And if I am hyper articulate, not that I am, um, but if I am in a career in which I am paid to um really read subtext and to and to communicate humor when it's when it's appropriate and to uh, be serious error messages whatever um when when i need to be serious and be dynamic is what i'm saying um and through that be ultimately articulate i can overcome that sort of insecurity or anxiety that i see in myself and my identity um, and I'm wondering if that is true for both of you. Have, have you found your way here? Maybe because this career offers you a way to think about yourself anew. So .com. I like I, I've, I've
1: always been a writer. Like uh, yeah. growing up, my mom was an English teacher. I loved language. I just like writing was super natural for me, but also like I loved rules. Okay. Uh, I, I like things that have rules. I don't like I'm, I'm a rebel and all of that, but I like to know the rules before I break them. Yeah. And uh, language has a lot of rules, especially the English language. And I, I really, I glommed onto that and I loved writing, but I went to school to go into web design and uh, I, and I started programming and learned all of that. And then I just started, all of my writing went into blogging about the stuff I was programming and I wasn't professionally writing anything. And then Victor hired me to write for the unofficial Apple weblog based on, you know, my own little blog at the time. And I, and I realized that I, I really kind of liked professional writing, but I didn't go into it at that point. I kept most of my writing was just blogging. And then I got uh, fed up with day jobs and basically became a professional blogger slash app developer and thought I was going to do that forever until... This job at Oracle came up. And the reason I got it is because Victor passed on it originally. (laughs) It was basically, they were looking for what I was doing anyway. And it was just kind of a perfect fit. Did that answer the question?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I'm thinking about mostly that, like, that that dark spot of your identity that we all have where we're really insecure about um, like a perceived inefficiency that we have. Mm. And if we can um, play to our weakness, if we can prop up that inefficient inefficiency or insecurity and like really hone that and make that part of our, our identity, it goes away and and interior life, your identity becomes more tolerable to you or something right and what i hear from you is like it's not really about that it's about adherence to systems well and part of the beauty creative
1: yeah the part of the part of the beauty of knowing the rules is you feel protected like (laughs) as long as you follow the rules there it is and the rules in my book have been accumulated over a lifetime of mistakes uh people pointing out errors people saying you're doing this wrong and then I internalize the rules. And at this point in my life, I feel like I have a big enough rule book that I can always find a way to to feel protected. Like I understand the rules and I can I can justify any decisions I make. And I am I have confidence that I, I never used to have like it was <laughs> it was a trial and error.
0: But let me. Let me follow up and play armchair therapist here for a second. Then I want to hear from Victor if you have something to say, Victor. Um, Do you feel, Brett, that like if given enough time uh, and given enough experience that you could add enough roles to the rule book and achieve a kind of like perfection? Do you think that's not not consciously, but do you think that's the idea kind of? Yeah, because I'm attracted to that. Like who wouldn't want that? Do, I mean, this is learning from experience, and you're.
1: Yeah, just give me. Yeah, yeah. Let me do this for you know fifty
0: years, and by the time I'm done, I'll, I'll 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 be flawless. Do you Do you really think you can achieve like a kind of perfection there? And would that be healthy? Um,
1: like rationally, no. Right, right.
0: sorry. I've been I've been really into therapy recently, <laughs> <laughs> and I like thinking about this kind of thing, Victor. I'm sorry if I've been talking for eight hours. No, no, that's, uh, that's fair. This is
2: fascinating conversation because that's, uh, I've, I've always wondered, you know, you, you read about stuff like, uh, ADHD and, and, and neurodivergence, any of that stuff, right. And, and you're always going to come across where one of the symptoms aspects, whatever might be perfectionism, uh, and that can tie into, you know, failure to launch and, and doing all these other things, uh, that are connected, you know, like all of our neurons and, I don't think that that is a particular driver for me. Um, I think that all of this stuff stems from the fact that I grew up around technology. Uh, I got, we got our first computer when I was six years old. Uh, It was an Apple II. This was like 1978 uh, or 1979. And uh, ever, but I also have photographs of me as a little kid behind a typewriter. And so like my two passions are, you know, like education and communication, teaching people how to do stuff with technology is kind of like my sweet spot. Um, And all of this just seems like a natural progression towards that kind of goal. Um, Yeah. So it's, 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 it's oddly not driven by any sort of like personal desire to make stuff like perfectly understandable. Um, But I admire that quality in both of you, frankly.
0: I think the larger field of writing is, I mean, writers want nominally to be known. And if you can choose one field of writing to absolutely erase your identity, it is technical.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's very (laughs) true. Well, that's why I do like comedy and stuff on the side is I can scratch Uh, that narcissistic itch uh, that way. Yeah, that's stand what up I is,
0: is super narcissistic. I love yeah, it. Yeah,
2: right.
0: <laughs> like
1: my blog has always been super technical. Um, I write, I write about programming, but somehow I've managed to develop. Like in when I, when G hired me, that was one of the things he said is he read like my whole blog and he said, you bring a sense of humor to tech writing. And that's why I thought I could do it. Now, now being told I need to be funny when writing about this stuff is, I can't, I can't, I don't know what to do with it, but it it is possible, I think.
2: Well, I, I would say also, by the way, that that's part of my like conversation about the fundamentals is like, we're still out there practicing on the field. There's, but at the same time, there's a game tomorrow. Like there's always that sort of, and that I'll just tell you from an organizational standpoint, this is something I'm going to bring up anyway, but like. From an organizational standpoint, that's, that's a recipe for disaster because you're going in too many directions at once and we need to focus up on this thing. And then, okay, anyway, that's my Ted Lasso stuff again. Sorry.
1: This is where that Quinn guy came up in our previous conversation is, uh, he found, he found ways to be irreverent and
2: humorous, uh, within
1: the realm of.
2: Well, yeah, tech, but he's writing, he's been I'm doing sorry. this a long ass time. Like I found out the reason why I ended up editing his podcast was because a friend of mine who's here knew him back when uh Corey used to live in Oak Ridge. He used to work at Oak Ridge National Lab and which is just right up the street for me. And so he was here, but he's been doing that since the early two thousands. So he's remembers on prem and you know, now it's in cloud and all and a hybrid and all this crap. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is that once you have established a certain uh uh comfortableness with your subject material, then you can play with it. I mean, that's the classic thing. It's it's the same in magic. It's the same in comedy. It's the same in writing. It's once you get to know that. Yeah. in music. Exactly. It's like once you're familiar with these things, then you can play with that. And so, Brett, you're very familiar with a lot of the things that we're dealing with, at least in an abstract. You may not know like Growl VM, you know, I do, not. but you know, yeah, but you know what it does and you can conceptualize how it could be used with other technologies. Whereas Aaron and I are like, okay, what the hell is GraalVM, VM and what the hell do you do with this shit? You know, uh, it, if it makes you feel any better,
1: I, I, I could not answer that question, I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what it is, what I would use it for, how it applies to anything I'm doing that like, there are definitely areas that. Baffle me. Like I, I have a coding background and like given the, like I have the tools to, to build an understanding very quickly. But we deal with stuff every day that I just, I I don't have the motivation to learn every term that comes across my plate. Yeah. Uh, I, and like I was saying before, there, if a use case is presented to me, like you could do this cool thing if you had this tool. It's just that I I rarely get... Like I learned a lot about AWS because there were things I could do that applied to like my little freelance projects, things that I could incorporate and, and improve what I was doing using new tools. And so I learned them. Mm. Uh, I just, I need, I need the use cases, uh, a tutorial that just tells us, uh, here's how you can set up this type of database on this type of service. Uh, is not of interest to me. If you told me, if you set up this kind of database on this type of service, you can do this cool thing. Here's an example. That's a tutorial I might be interested in. And that's where I think we need to go. This is,
0: yeah. And this parallels that conversation that we were kind of having earlier, which is like, part of you needs to be activated enough to care about um, doing this as a living. And part of you needs to be activated to appeal to you, um, in terms of like adding a new microservice to your like CICD flow or something. Like it has to appeal; otherwise, it's just super. It, it's knowledge; it's not going to go in that like dictionary, you know.
1: Dude, if I can find, if I can find something to to glom onto as yeah. like a real, I could be Chris Benson who makes these crazy pie clusters like the world's largest pie cluster and, and pie powered uh, Lego cars and just does these insane mad science stuff using Oracle cloud as a backend. If I could find the stuff that interests me the way that pie uh, raspberries interest him, I could totally start writing like killer content and, uh, like be a total evangelist i'm just waiting for that light bulb
0: i kind of am too um brett i i think your first what what our manager um uh, insert name here uh, asked you to do as like a first yeah uh, assignment is to write all those like descriptions of 90 like whatever, descriptions 90, yes yeah microservices i wonder if there's something in there for all of us, you know, it, it might not be as sexy as like raspberry Pi, Um, but I wonder if there's like, that's a, that's a, you know, stepping stone to something. I see, but then it's like, what's going to motivate us to even do that? that, that
1: step zero. There's no motivation there either. So like, for me, it like when I hear about a new service, say I hear about an API that can, uh, do like sentiment analysis. And nothing I'm working on right now requires sentiment analysis, but the API sounds accessible and and easy to use. So I start thinking of, like, what could I apply this to? What could I run through this and gain some unexpected insight from? So I start a project and I start pulling together. Here's how I'm going to use the Twitter API to download all tweets from, you know, this section of users and run it through this API and see what I get. Like, that's the kind of thing I do for fun in my free time. Uh, I, instead of descriptions of 90 services, I need to know, like, I, I need that use case that that makes me want to just learn about it so I can see what it does.
0: But But wait, maybe there's something there, though. So I want to know, back to, like, the personal thing, like, I want to know why you do... That shit in your spare time, not not that it isn't fun or isn't desirable. I would like to th- do that shit in my spare time too. I I find myself like making music and and, yeah. and opening Logic and just fucking around. Your version of that is like, what can I do with this new shell script or this API? Hundred yeah, um, percent. Right, and like where where does that come from? Because I want it.
1: So for me, as an ADHD kid um solving problems getting something to work causes a dopamine uh increase for me yeah yeah so there's this instant reward and uh and then I can immediately say okay what else can I do what else can I do and it's very much uh a, a neurotransmitter reinforced mm-hmm. uh behavior for me and it's that's something that just gives me that dopamine fix and and it's what i it makes it what i do for fun
0: there must be another layer of that too um which is not everyone can do this and this is actually notoriously pretty difficult and i imagine that it might like make you feel good um on an ego level it would make me feel good i mean anytime i do anything with code i'm like that like golden eye moment, the boris moment, the like i am a god like worship me shit starts happening in my broken broken brain.
1: Yeah. I I started coding when i was 6. And i can remember having the exact same uh reaction to uh getting get a turtle. You remember logo and turtle? Oh yeah. Uh, like getting the turtle to make uh, a fractal, and uh, my friend who was taking—I was at a school for the gifted—and my friend in uh, like second grade was was already taking calculus, and we used to—he used to show me how to do crazy things with Logo, and like from like that point on, I just just naturally gravitated to doing it and there was nothing once you have the foundation like it's yeah it's it's easy but i always like i I was always very um scared to show anybody because i got the the i got the the rush from succeeding at something but always was concerned it wasn't the right way to do it or good enough Mm -hmm. and like blogging i had a a blog called the circle six blog uh dante inferno reference but um i I, writing the stuff i was learning uh was very nerve-wracking for me and then writing on chua about it was also very nerve-wracking and it took a lot of those uh being called out for doing things wrong and you know adding a new rule to my my rule book Took a lot of that to get to anywhere where I was comfortable.
0: Yeah, I. There is a like feeling in your body when you get called out for being oh, wrongs in that kind of way. Oh yeah, it feels awful. It feels like you're on fire. But, but especially that, if they're right. Oh yeah, <laughs> that hurts. That stings way more. It, but but that can be a really powerful framing device for writing which is like look I'm new to this I don't know shit about this I'm approaching insert subject matter here as a complete noob um and here's here's what I found and this is for other people who who might also be noobs that is like a really powerful tool because it it lowers the bar in terms of like formality you can be very real about problem areas and how you feel about those problem areas and you get to do a thing that you never get to do in, in technical writing, usually, which is like express frustration. You This is one of those genres or whatever where you can actually express yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I like that a lot.
1: This episode is brought to you by um, uh, uh, confusing erections. <laughs> I don't have a tagline for that.
0: Thanks, Just... Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> when trouble pops up. I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, it would be amazing. Uh, a live something like I could probably pull it off with, uh, like max speech to text, but something that, uh, tra- uh, transcribed what people were saying live while we're podcasting so that if I space out for a second, I can just scroll back real quick and, and catch the, the very important key phrase that would have made everything I just heard make sense, but I missed it. <laughs> I need that. That's my next project, I guess.
2: That I mean, that does exist, right? Because there's the uh, there's an API that obviously like will take um, and transcribe, and then you just need to yeah, you just need to take that and put it up on a on a webview. Anyway, sorry. Look at me. It, w- will it do it live though? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I need yeah, to I, figure I've, that out
0: pretty for sure. the best that we don't do it for this episode because like it would it would um, it would read uh, as it were confusing erections and like just crash and commit <laughs> program suicide. I thought there
1: was a band named that. Oh well. Oh, there's so many things named confusing erections. It's my favorite. It's when whenever whenever it comes up on a TV show, it's it's just comedy gold to me. Like we all. All males have this memory of, like, uh, those teenage erections that you can't explain or are related to something you feel like shouldn't be. It's it's just a deep-seated something all males can relate to. I don't know if there's a female equivalent.
0: Well, I happen to know that Confusing Erections is my favorite episode of the Overtired podcast. Did we have an episode called Confusing Erection? No, I'm I'm trying to get you to call oh, it Confusing Erection. That's it. But don't, don't do that. Really? Your sponsors <laughs> will, in the future will flee. I don't know. No, Follow no, your they,
1: heart. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're sponsored by the Koch Brothers this week, so <laughs> fuck them, <am> I say. <laughs> the one brother. The one brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So w- we've actually, we were going to do a short episode because... We didn't have any real sponsors, and we've already gone for a full hour. Um, I have nowhere to be. I know Aaron does, but uh, anything else you guys want to talk about?
0: I think we covered it. Covered that's it all. It's a good app. Feeling was good it? about it?
1: <laughs> it was weird for sure. You know what was missing? Heart. Christina. The heart. Well, yeah. That's That's the heart. <laughs> all right. Oh, th- I've, uh, my rabbi sent me a l- link to a tweet storm from another rabbi, uh, uh around uh, a spiritual uh, exploration of Taylor Swift's 10 minute version of All Too Well. And I feel like that's definitely going to be a topic, uh, next time Christine is around.
0: But oh, for sure. Good luck, dude. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> Pulling for you. Well thanks for for joining me on a day off. Uh it it's yeah. it's nice to talk to you both outside of work.
0: And uh yeah. Get some well, sleep, you guys. Get some sleep and don't get confusing erections.
2: In your sleep? Yes. I can't help that. Sorry. Right. No promises.
0: <laughs> Bye. The system is going down low.